Blog Talk Radio. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial, the show where we talk all about the uh, Saturday morning TV pop culture that not only did we grow up with, apparently it has grown up with us. Uh, what you're hearing making noises in your ear right now, that's me. I'm Dan Grimshay. I'll be your host today, as always, because uh, I'm the only one who gives a damn about you. Uh, but I do have some hanger-on sycophants. Uh, speaking of which, using the magic of the Internet, I am able to connect not only with, I believe, Marky. Are you there, Marky? Yes, hello, everybody. Uh, there's your taste, Marky. I've also got uh, Jimmy the Gent Lazinski. Jimmy, do you crack corn? Gold leader. This is red leader. I crack corn all day and don't care. There we go. Oh, but it's not over. We've also finally got the full table once again. Please, God, tell me. Johnny Heck, are you out there? Hey, yo, I am here. I found my way back to the tribe. Oh, there we go. We're we're all four of us sitting down together virtually, uh, and we hope there's enough room at the table for you, our faithful serialites. Uh, so what are we talking about today? Well, uh, some sad news came across the Twitter waves recently, uh, and, it, and it seems like uh, it's our style to get everything just after the mark. So mm-hmm. after 17 years, I believe, it is about time we talked about Venture Brothers here. R.I.P. canceled far before its time. Uh, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Venture Brothers from uh, Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. Marky, I've been trying to get you to watch this for literally 17 years, I think. Uh, yeah, I know what we're talking about today. That's good soup. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, obviously Jimmy the Gent is a fan. Uh, Johnny, Johnny, you watch a little bit of Venture Brothers? You familiar I, with this? I did since day one. I mean, 03, it comes out at a roommate, showed me this wacky-ass cartoon and i didn't know what to make of it and i kind of still don't but i remember the first i remember watching the first episode and you know every 15 years when the next season would come out i'd be really excited for it no uh but yeah amazing show and it it's yeah i i don't i don't know what to say it's just it's a bummer but you know, it is, uh, but it is it's also one of those uh shows that puts out a season every three or four years so it's fans, are, we've learned to be very patient. I'm not even totally buying this is the last we're going to see of the Venture Brothers. But 
just to rewind a little bit, give you the listener, in case you're not aware, let me set the scene back in the early aughts when Adult Swim was just becoming a thing. And up to this point, they've been doing like uh, Space Ghost, uh, Sea Lab, uh, Aqua Teen, like really simple animation. Some of it's just repurposed. You know, the uh, Space what about, Ghost. Yeah, that the Space Ghost was the uh, talk show format, right? Exactly. They just took yeah, old I animations, rearranged them, tried to do everything as cheap as they could, and then they started getting real like cultural traction, and they then they uh, start making their own real shows and uh, Venture Brothers. Was Original one of the programming first. is what yeah. it's called. But, I mean, where they had a budget and they, from whole cloth, created something. And this is right up Saturday morning serials alley. This, Ooh, is such, this show went on to become such a fucking love letter to the whole superhero cartoon culture. It hits, yeah. it hits us right in the gooch. I mean, by, by design. And, and, I mean, again, setting the stage, like you said, a young... George W. Bush is president, <laughs> and America's just going tits at the moment, and uh, everything's coming out of Millhouse. No, you know, and w- w- when it starts off, it's more, I guess. Well, it was it was essentially a, like a Johnny Quest parody exactly. directly. Exactly, like and the that, roles were specifically if Johnny Quest grew up and was like a narcissistic, spoiled piece of garbage person. So it's essentially it's like you know Johnny Quest two thousand and three. Like we we chatted about this off mic a little bit. I only just realized that um, I, I just started after the announcement. I did a did a binge, and it just occurred to me as I was trying to explain it to my kids that venture is just another word for quest. So it is <laughs> it is a continuation of that. Like it, and I and it, that never even occurred to me as off, as a big fan as I have been from day one, like everybody else here. But yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah. No, but you're right. And the first season was unapologetic. There was even a scene in the first season when uh, uh, Race Bannon himself, the right. character named Race Bannon, dies in Brock's arms. Well, it's I think it's something. a direct they were gift from the, from the Johnny Quest show. There's a scene, uh, I, I even want to say it's from the opening of Johnny Quest, where Race Bannon kind of parachutes backwards out of an airplane. So it's a little clip of what's happening in the airplane, and then it's him parachuting out, which is from the from the Johnny Quest show, and then what happens after that is, like, you spoiled. Yeah. And it's, Which is kind of what they were trying to do. Like, we love the idea of Johnny Quest so much. And some of our younger listeners probably don't know that that was a real, honest-to-God, Saturday morning cartoon, one of the biggest, best, a little before my time, but... Well, it, it was actually only a... It was a primetime Friday night sh- series. Really? The original Johnny Quest, Yeah. Oh, and it, it See, actually only lasted. It actually only lasted a season, and then it just lived on syndication for twenty something years before they picked it up again. So it was really, you know, and you know, back in those days, uh, uh, if it was a cartoon, a season could be eighty episodes. You know, like it's not. It it wasn't the same thing that we know of a season nowadays. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the original Venture Brothers was just a was just a one season thing um i'm sorry the original uh johnny quest was just a which is the one yeah, season yeah the line Friday. is blurry yeah yeah and um it's the one the generation before me <laughs> our fathers 
to them, watching cartoons is strictly a kid's thing. Okay, they don't watch cartoons. They don't. They just. They just don't do it. Yeah, they move but, through their Saturday morning phase. We kept uh, it today. We kept it. We keep it <laughs> pride from my cold dead hand. <laughs> but the one show, if it was on TV, it was on syndication in the mornings, whether it was a Saturday morning or not. If ben, if Johnny Quest was on, my dad would watch this with me. Because this was his favorite show. He never outgrew Johnny Quest. <laughs> and I will always have a soft spot for Johnny Quest, which transfers very easily to Venture Brothers. Yeah. Because Johnny Quest a, is, is so, it was, you know, it came out in the 60s when the super science, they were like predicting what real scientists could do now that they'd cracked the atomic code and et cetera. So it was all supersonic jets, crazy sound weapons, teleporters, and that's all the flavor that they brought over to uh, to the Venture Brothers. It's, and that was all going to be available by the 1980s, according to you yeah. know, according yeah. to Johnny Quest. Like, yeah. the future is very soon, everybody. Get ready. But all we got in the 1980s were Johnny Quest reruns. Exactly, and, and that's uh, what we got AM, to grow up on. And the AMC Gremlin, and that's pretty much <laughs> it. But you know, so uh, two guys named Christopher McCullough. Oh, sorry, Jackson Public and uh, Doc Hammer, who actually I think has kept his real name private. <laughs> well done for him. Uh, they are the ones who created this show that did start out as a direct Johnny Quest ripoff, uh, and then I know I remember vividly. Because I was following the show, I loved it. Uh, once, when uh, Marquis and I were at a barbecue at his house and, and having some drinks, I forced him to watch a couple episodes. Uh, and then at the very end of the first season's finale, I don't know if you guys remember this. It's uh, it this the show is rife with Easter eggs of all kinds, not just Johnny Quest, but the very end of the first season's finale was a uh, Easy Rider. Rip up the very end of Easy Rider, where they literally shot and killed the two main stars of the show, uh, mm-hmm. like accidentally. Kind of, in, in, kind of. No, they absolutely did, and then it went away for about eighteen months in the first of many long off seasons for this fucking show. <laughs> and then when it reopened, and we learned that they were already they were like the ninth or tenth clones of the original heroes, Hank and Dean. And uh, it just fits so well into this evolving universe. And and suddenly things started going crazy. It was no longer a Johnny Quest ripoff at all. It was oh, becoming think, its own thing. Do you think, though, I mean, I'll open this to everybody. Is it a Johnny Quest ripoff? I think it's easy to kind of take a show like Johnny Quest and just shit on it or just crack wise on it. I think even in the early season, in the first season, even though it was taking a lot of the beats from Johnny Quest, I think it was expanding upon that universe, and it will eventually pay off in future seasons, as I'm sure we're going to chat about. Oh, yeah. But they sowed a lot more, of seeds you didn't notice. Right. I, I don't think it was a direct, like, oh, let's just naked gun it or, you know, just full-on lampoon it. I think it was a bit of an homage, a bit a universe-building 
but building it w- within that universe. Well, can yeah. I do a little? Uh, can I get a little IMDb reading uh, music, please? <laughs> Give him what he wants, Maestro. IMDb. Uh, uh, hold on, cancel that. Uh, I need some wiki reading. Oh, a little wiki reading. A little more music, upbeat. Yeah, like yeah, wiki, wiki. Hit it. Yeah. Wiki reading. Wiki reading. Wiki reading. Wiki, 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 wiki reading. Wiki that shit. What's the same? Wiki that same Wikipedia. This is under the Johnny Quest wiki page. Under right. parodies and homages. All right. And uh, Adult Swim's The Venture Brothers features characters who are satirical analogs of the Johnny Quest cast. Dr. Thaddeus Rusty Venture, his bodyguard Brock Sampson, and his sons Hank and Dean. Flashbacks reveal that Rusty is himself the son of Benton Quest analog. Now coasting on the fame of his late father. During the first season, the creators of the show realized that Cartoon Network's parent-owned Johnny Quest and began using the actual characters, including Johnny as a paranoid drug addict. I remember that is true, when they they brought him in in the second season to say, like, oh, he actually exists in this world. (laughs) Yeah, By 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 the constant danger his father put him in. So it was basically the danger that the Johnny Quest that we know, it manifested into the drug addict person that we were introduced to in the venture. And I'm not reading Wiki at this point. I'm, I'm editorializing now. Uh, We've moved on but, to the analysis phase. Got it. <laughs> so back to Wiki. Ray Bannon, <laughs> government <laughs> And Haji, as a hardworking, competent engineer for Rusty's successful brother, Jonas Jr. I like him. Can we keep him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Johnny there were some problems with Johnny Quest. We should probably acknowledge there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's <laughs> from uh, Venture Brothers. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, yes, they mentioned. Were renamed. Johnny was renamed Action Johnny. Race Bannon was referred to as Red. And Dr. Zinn was called Dr. Z. And there was no in-show explanation for the changes. So they had, they basically realized that they had the rights to Johnny Quest. And they really went into it. Not just a parody, but almost like a sequel. Yes. And they they actually pick it up, even though it's a little satirical. They treat it lovingly because Mm -hmm. it turns into all this fabric. Now, I don't know what other rights they may have, you know, stumbled ass backwards into and be unaware of over the years, but uh, they may never explain why they slightly tweak the names, but I have a feeling there was an eternal meeting where they said, you know what, even if we can afford the rights, let's just do parodies of everything. Like, (laughs) they now have such a state, I would say they've probably at least mentioned or had little clips of and include in their mythos at this point well over a hundred various hilarious little hero or villain characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually watching some uh, in the lead-up to this to this recording session, and that's the one thing that I really noticed that really that really stood out. And I, this was just a random sampling of episodes. I was just hopping around. But no matter what the subject of the week is, 
it's a pop culture parody. For example, I watched this one recently where it was clearly a RoboCop parody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that yeah. one. Yeah, and it was just and like that, it was. Uh, uh, no, I think uh, Henchman Zero is what he's thinking of. Vendetta does have a much longer, crazier arc if you stick around. With, you don't even meet him until <laughs> you like season yeah, five. You see stays him off. for four minutes in one episode, and then in real time, eight years later, you learn crazy shit about him. But we, we are here to spoil. But should have put that up at the top, by the way. This is going to be chock full of spoilers. I don't think you can spoil parodies. I mean, they're inherently they're spoiling, aren't they? <laughs> No, no, I mean, like, spoiling the Venture Brothers itself. Anyone Ah, listening, if you have never seen it and you want to, you've had 17 years. I'm not that sorry to be talking about it, Frank. Get off your ass, all right? Here's your chance to pause it and go binge watch it. (laughs) Watch watch it in real time, though, like we did. Wait, you know, about two years per season. Yep. And I mean, really Rick and Morty, that motherfucker. uh, We'll see you in the future. I think you also like to fully appreciate this show. You also have to be in, like immersed in the pop culture that the creators grew up in, because they are obviously they're parroting uh, Johnny Quest. Well, but, you could argue that that uh, that culture has grown up with them, right? They're making and a living so off it. Ding, 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 ding! I so, get a prize. You know, there's Terminator and there's RoboCop and there's Rambo and, you know, there's just all these 80s characters that we all grew up with and that grew up with us. But that they <laughs> that, but they they parody all these things in all these episodes. And so there's just something there for you. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's so good. It's so funny. Uh-huh. One of the I, left turns. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I was just going to say what are they one of the left turns they took when they weren't just solely into like the Johnny quest camp, at least one that sticks out was when they, uh, I think they went to visit some friends and it turned out just to be the fantastic four. Obviously <laughs> renamed and, yep. and the human torch. He, they had to keep him sedated because he was just always in pain when he was on fire. Yeah. His real skill was just to run around <laughs> screaming because he was on fire. What are they? Incredible. The incredible. No, not the Incredibles. Uh, Richard. Something like that. Damn it. Show, show prep, everybody. Um, <laughs> what what time is rehearsal anyway? Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was just really good. And then obviously Nathan Fillion as that Spider-Man rip, where <laughs> the web like came out of his. You know, yeah. like not not his ass. Basically. It just happens to or be his in his lower back, yeah. and it is gross. Yeah. I, it's, so it's just as a comic book nerd. I mean, just seeing those takes always just gave me the giggles. Yep. <laughs> and and every let me tell you something. If you are going to start watching the Venture Brothers, uh, every time you just like hear a throwaway gag that sounds like a funny name of a villain. I guarantee you there's going to be a three-episode arc about that villain, like, mm-hmm. way in the future. They don't, Everything you think is just a throwaway gag, when they go back and write the next season, they pick all of those up and unfold them and turn them into just insanely deep characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and the ones they really like, they bring on board and change them all together. Like, the, the journey of Sergeant Hatred alone is one of the most touching things if you think about it. And you know this this show also takes a lot of time like 
it's clearly like, you know, since 2004, they put out seven total seasons. (laughs) And even in their seasons, it's like uh, the first season was like 13 episodes. Second season, 13 episodes, 13 episodes again. And then they had a season four with two that was broken up into two eight episode seasons. Then they had eight season five, eight in season six and season seven was 10. So these are, there's a lot of writing and like, there's a lot that goes into all of these episodes. They just don't spit these out. And it points Um, very much to like the, the creators, Doc Hammer and uh, Jackson public have total control. Like they've been so trusted that after they sit down and figure out what the story they want to tell that season is and who they're going to put in it, they get to go back and say, actually, it looks like we're only going to need eight episodes, and we don't want to do a bunch of crap filler stuff. <laughs> yeah, and they get to do that. You but know? they, you know, they also touch on not or just superheroes. To. Like there's that one uh, Scooby Doo. Yeah, they have a Scooby Doo gang, mm-hmm. the Groovy Gang. Yeah, right? <laughs> Fred is <laughs> an insane. And my my personal favorite is where they like uh, this is later on. This is kind of deep cut, uh, but when they do uh, the Blue Morpho, it's pretty much. A combination of uh, Adam West, Batman, and uh, the Green Hornet, mm-hmm. and they, they tie that. That's uh, late season six, early season season seven. Um, yep, and and like in one of their famous not so subtle nods, they even give him a sidekick named Cato. Right, but it turns uh, out, well, it doesn't turn out because we've known for uh, almost the entire series that Cato was already a character who had, we had met in flashbacks that happened after the Blue Moor. It's so complicated, but as you watch it, they unfold it. One of the, like some kind one of of the original members of Team Avenger. Yep. <laughs> Which was formed, or he joined after the Blue Morpho years, and the Blue Morpho years were very early on, but we've just learned about them. Blue Morpho played by one of my favorite people on the Internet of all time, Paul F. Tompkins, by the way. Uh, uh, but before me, we start me, getting into deep real, cuts. Real, real quick slide, you know, it also connects to a lot of superhero uh, parody like The Tick, and they're very mm-hmm. closely involved. Chris McCulloch was really heavily involved in The Tick, and James Urbanek, and... Um, that the the other cat also wrote for the tick both all iterations of it the animated and the and the the latest oh wow yeah you absolutely ben, get ben that ben Enlin also wrote for the creator of the tick ben Enlin also wrote for venture brothers they were pretty closely connected huh. they they did voices on both shows yeah it's like um this is all a love letter to the genre uh, yeah. that's what the venture brothers is and that's uh, and that's the, really my jam. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, it I'm exists in a world where the physics and everything is all definitely based on a Saturday morning cartoon world. Yeah, like repercussions are the same. Although there is murder, sex, profanity. No, it grew up, with but that. there's misunderstandings and and a little you know, French farce. Oh, French farce, and the, you know it turns out there's an incredible amount of bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. So and they were doing that long before the, the boys, I think, was even on, in print. Yeah. We haven't even talked about the villain of this, the fucking monarch. Monarch nope. and oh, how is that guy mm-hmm. and Doctor Girlfriend. I actually have. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite uh, San Diego Comic Con exclusives. Is a monarch lunchbox. I still uh-huh. have it. And like on eBay, it's like three hundred dollars for this lunchbox right now. By the way, it's great. I love it. 
but you've just been holding on to it for these decades so that you can give it to me for my birthday, I assume? Uh, currently, why have you never even told me or showed it to me? I'm, I'm a little, you know what? I'm glad this happened though, because this brings me to a larger point, which is that it wasn't until we were talking about the Venture Brothers being canceled, which by the way, Marquis sent out almost gleefully in a text as soon as he saw on Twitter at like nine o'clock at night to all of us. Uh, but but I was utterly unaware, despite the fact that I've been begging for uh, for some for some excuse to do a Venture Brothers show for oh the last seven years or so. Apparently, Marky and and Johnny Heck, although Johnny, I don't think you were aware of my passion for it, went down to Comic Con two years ago and can talked to Doc Hammer and Jackson Public, <laughs> recorded it. And then it, I don't know, went off into a corner somewhere, and and they didn't even mention it until basically the patient was dead on the table. <laughs> so I'm a little steamed about that. But at uh, least it gives us a reason again. now to do I a like goddamn Venture Brothers episode. Was it episode. called a cold file? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> cold file. I have, this, bum, bum, I have this cooler, and in it is the heart. <laughs> that needs to go in the patient. And I forgot. I left it at the airport. <laughs> Mark, hey, Marky, that's some cerebral shit, man. I think I asked you, I'm like, hey, we're going to do an episode. He's like, if you tell Shay, I'll kill you. I was like, all right, bro, all right. Was, like, was, like, was this, was just, this right, just so a passive-aggressive arch against me? Yeah, Let's now, you this. know what? Let's. I need to hear it because I haven't. I've been waiting now. Uh, and, and so, and I'm sure you guys don't remember what's on it because it's two years old already. <laughs> so, so what we're going to do now is sort of surprise spring it on, on everyone. Uh, yeah, let's and, and it's like, we don't know what's going to happen. It might be profane. There might be a murder in the middle of it. Anything could happen with live pre-taped pre-recorded podcast. Maybe our parents are there. Set the stage for me. Yeah. It's a Marky, it's a risk, tell me uh, tell me about the day afternoon. This is a uh, this is, Yeah, this is on a Friday at Comic-Con. It's 2 p.m. and Johnny Heck and I are late getting to the press room to do a round table with James Urbanic, Doc Hammer, and Jackson Public. I don't remember why we were late. I do. We'll get to that. But okay. James Urbanic, <laughs> oh, was, uh, James Urbanic, we missed out on that because it was a rotation. I believe it was James Urbanic and Doc Hammer and Jackson Public were together. Mm. Um, and it was a, you know, they were, this is a roundtable format. There's different roundtables, different collection of journalists or whatever you consider a journalist. And then uh, we did not, we caught the last table. James Urbanic had just left it. And we, Johnny Heck jumps in there. I am in no shape to join him. And it's Doc because Hammer. Because of Jackson your Public. bee stings and your broken arm? Yeah. You were so overwhelmed at meeting the creator of your favorite cartoon, animated <laughs> series. Again, we'll talk about it on the way back. But yes, this is, <laughs> this is found footage. This is found footage uh, or forgotten footage. This is forgotten footage. 
Uh, Jesus and, uh, Christ. We're freaking I still really don't remember it, so it's still forgotten to me. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, it's going to surprise us all. Okay, so yes, let's let's. Can we put in some crypts noises here? Like, <laughs> let, let's do. Uh, I want the magic interview machine to take us back to 2018 to a much simpler time. Aw, it's okay, magic interview machine. You can do what he says. Nope. Uh, It's great. You can just like you can expect to have to watch it to know what happens. (laughs) Go on. Yeah, that's it. No. (laughs) Bigger, better, faster, louder. I don't know. Well, Red Death ever become a main character? I, he gets a lot more play this season. Yeah, we we fell in love with him after uh, you know after we got the Kurgan to do his voice. Like that was yeah. So like he's um yeah he's uh, he's he's you'll see in the first few episodes like he's yeah we bring him back into the fold and he kind of you know he's a, he's a, he's a more prominent player in the guild stuff so yeah it's good to bring him back uh, and he's cool looking they always animate him well you know so how do you get facial expressions to a skull that's the fun yeah 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 oh. <laughs> I love that we get to see Monarch you know obviously become Blue Morpho still have to be the bad guy how are you guys going to play the that's um, that has to be resolved from last season. That's, that's kind of what we spend the first, you know, the first leg of the season dealing with. You know, I can't spoil it, obviously. Um, but yeah, that has to come to a head because the whole world hates the Blue Morpho, and you know, uh, is he going to be found out? And if you know, the whole goal was for him to uh, eliminate his competition to Arch Doctor Venture. So. That gets dealt with. <laughs> Have there been any characters you've had more fun developing than others? Oh, for sure. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it shows in like who gets left behind in this show, where uh, almost nobody gets left behind, and they get their own story arcs later on. Um, I mean, uh, 21 is probably the character who's had the most change happen to him, you know, the most evolution. Um, and a lot of that was more Hammer doing that than, than me. But um, but that's been a kind of cool thing going on with him. Um, yeah, 21 is a big one. But <laughs> no, yeah. I'm trying to think who we dig deeper into all the time. Um, Doctor Venture doesn't really change. He just has different levels of almost learning something and you know being more or less pissy. Um, these guys are stable. <laughs> the Monarch's been a lot of fun to just keep messing with, though. You know, like. To go, because um, it's boring to just have an arch villain. Like, I'm gonna get you, and so we've made that part of his character. It's like, oh, that's all he's about is I'm gonna get you. You know, um, what does that mean in this comic book world? And what does what does he have to do to get him? What is even getting somebody? You know. 
How is the um, explosion of the Marvel well, Cinematic Universe and the, the DC Cinematic Universe uh, <laughs> um, affected your new theater? Uh, did you, you really did you go at uh, Marvel, DC, a lot of the tropes and whatnot. So how is that explosion? Um, Probably less than others. I mean, it just means that everybody gets the references and nobody's on my ass about being too nerdy anymore <laughs> in, in the show. You're welcome, um, Internet. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not even the more adult films. Like, hey, is this is a little inside. This is a little geeky. And then, now, like, that doesn't happen anymore because the whole world is geeky now. But, um... I don't. I, I don't know if we if we go to those places quite as much this season. Like, we, yeah, we we didn't like rip hard into specific tropes like that, or or you know, I mean, we never went at it like, oh, I want to make fun of this guy. But there are you know, there they're always around those idiots. There's always there's like group scenes with like, oh, we haven't done this kind of character yet. Like, let's throw him in there. Um, so it only helps. Yeah. Was it difficult at first when you were pitching like this show to a world that wasn't as quote, like you're saying, like more, the world's more nerdy now, but back then it was still kind of developing? Was, it, was there still a lot of uh, kind of skepticism when you pitched the show originally from that? Not so much when I pitched it because I mean, I mean we, we weren't as we weren't as wide spectrum in our in our um, our, our our parody stuff, and we you know we hadn't created the characters yet like Twenty One and. Billy, who were like kind of the voice of the fanboy and stuff like that. So uh, it wasn't a problem pitching it because also remember this is like Adult Swim in the early days, and it was just a you know they were doing a lot of stuff where they you know C Lab and everything where they were taking their old Cartoon Network libraries so the old Hanna Barbera stuff, and so it was you know the Johnny Quest angle fit in the pocket of that and the kind of dark you know uh, humor fit in what they were doing and it was a low budget show you know and it was only when we were getting like later into the scripts for the first season and maybe the beginning of the second season that like we maybe started getting some notes about like "Ah, this one's a little this is a little too inside a little too nerdy you know like "Eh, don't do as much of that Um, but then that you know that was literally the last time we got a script note was like the first episode of season two so, I always love Pops yeah. doing the uh, Sonic way <laughs> <laughs> After moving to that, working on the new season and from last season having the move, has it been more, you can say, fresh that you can do a lot more with the setting and everything? Yeah, I mean that that helped us a lot, you know. And we were it helped us care more. It was also because we were New Yorkers. It was fun to like put the real world in and our real gripes about the city and stuff like that. Uh, it was nice to give the ventures a, a win, you know, to not keep milking this. Oh, he's a failure and they're running out of money, kind of thing, you know. Uh, and it gave us a way to like shake up the cast and go, okay, like. Let's peel off some of these people who have been maybe overpopulating the show and then kind of bring them in when the story calls for it instead of just because it's easy, you know, because you want a guy to say something funny. So let's bring Shirley in for no reason all the time. Like, now, like, you know, it made us focus on our main characters a little more again and uh, think 
before using supporting characters and go think why does this character need to be in this episode like why do I want to bring him in what is how does the story make him have to be here you know it was good at like you know disappointing us a little in a weird way while giving us a whole bunch of fun new stuff to do and it kind of like the New York setting just because again like the Marvel Universe like um, New York is just full of superheroes and crap and it gave us license to do that like oh well, they're in a city now where they're, they're not in a podunk town anymore like there's Avengers floating around and Spider-Man and, and you know mostly they're window dressing but um, it gave us opportunities to just like actually just embrace that instead of it being a thing we do a little bit on the side and like you wonder why anybody any of these people are walking around in our universe for them to live yeah no 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 now I live I moved to LA last year myself so Doc is still in New York I'm in LA but uh, I would never move them there. <laughs> I like it fine but uh, I like it because it's uh uh, a little slower from it like I'm relaxing a little more I'm yeah just enjoying my home a little more than I used to I'm not a young man anymore yeah I love Brooklyn more than anything I couldn't have loved Brooklyn more than the moment I decided to leave it so I'll probably go back someday I don't know but. <laughs> so We've seen a lot of the last few seasons with hatred uh, hatred so, uh, Obviously, hatred so become the bodyguard. The Brock still has that sense. Are we going to see more of them kind of like being like kind of fighting over in that position? Uh, I mean, a tiny bit. There, there's some lip service paid to it. Uh, they don't. I mean, they they settled into their roles, which is like Brock is the bodyguard. He is the OSI issued bodyguard but they kept hatred on to be the kind of building security, you know, and he also feels just like a member of the family. So, like, there are places, there's no longer necessarily that rivalry, but, you know, every once in a while it comes up in conversation, like, oh, nice job, you know, like, yeah, I think maybe one. He goes, hell of a job bodyguarding, because, like, Doc gets hurt. So, <laughs> spoiler, Doc gets hurt this season <laughs> in one episode. <laughs> So, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Fly. Fly. Yeah, that's it. Do you have to, like, register with the FAA, though? Like, you can only right. fly above, like, five feet or below five feet. Well, now you're putting limitations <laughs> on me. I just want to fly. That would just be the best one. All the other ones are, I don't know, narcissistic or something like that. <laughs> I don't need to be stronger than other people. I don't need to spy on them with my invisibility. It's, yeah. So I just want to be able to go over there without, like, taking a train. <laughs> so how far into the future do you guys have to be? I mean, are you guys looking towards season 10, or are you just kind of... I don't know. I mean, uh, we, we are looking towards season 8 now, because we, we certainly didn't end the story in season 7, as you'll see. Uh, you know, we do leave some stuff open that is cliffhangery, I guess, in a way. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we never look more than one ahead, you know. Um, but I could see us doing more. Certainly we have mortgages now. Maybe it's in our best interest to, to just keep doing this thing that people want us to do. Uh, but no, I mean, it's like... Uh, 
it's it's hard and it's fun and it's like kind of you know I've worked on other things and like nobody's ever given me this much freedom and you know I just get to pursue whatever dumb story we want to so like uh, uh, it's a pretty big umbrella so I can scratch a lot of itches with it so I, I like we'll do it as long as it's fun and as long as somebody wants to keep paying us to do it you know as long as they don't go oh you're cancelled you can stop making stop making the show and you've been cancelled for two years you know like I don't know <laughs> but yeah an eight for sure would be great. So after I asked this to James, if you were to inherit what the ventures did, what would you do with all that? Oh, I should probably say something nice. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure how much he inherited. I, we, we, we did. Well, say billion. Yeah, yeah. Billion. I, I fixed everything. <laughs> Everything. You know, like I want to have a clever answer, but like the world sucks right now. So, and everybody needs help. So I would, I would try to figure out how to be a charitable human being uh, and team up with other super billionaires or something. I don't know. It's not fun. It's not interesting, but it's these are serious times. Would you use that money to develop like the power of flight for yourself? See, that's never gonna happen. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we could probably get rid of like uh, Alzheimer's and some cancers, and uh, certainly we don't need poor people. If uh, I don't mean get rid of them, I mean, I mean I mean they would cease to be poor if you spread that out. Um, Jesus, I know what the quote is gonna be. We don't need. The poor people. <laughs> I get rid of them, you know, like cancer and Alzheimer's. Yeah, sure. Yeah, jetpack would be all right. Somebody's got one. Oh, yeah. No, I'd spend a little on myself. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, what would you recommend as someone that's trying to get into the industry and in with Adult Swim um, to show their pitch and all that type of stuff? What, what did you do personally? Do what? How did you approach them? Um, you know, I. Uh, 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 I ha I mean, I had a little bit of history already, not with Adult Swim, but like I had written for the uh, Tick animated series, and that was like pretty respected. You know, it was like kind of known for story. So it was like I wasn't coming, and I had been storyboarding for other shows for a little while. So I was at least able to go, hey, I'm uh, a professional. <laughs> but what I did was I wrote the I wrote the pilot, and I put together a whole pitch book and illustrated and stuff like that. Um, more because I didn't, you know, I, I had pitched other things to other people in the past, and it, it always seemed like, um, I mean, it was two things for me. One, one is, like, the more guesswork you give them, the more they're going to want to, like, mess with it, or, you know, or not get it, or I wanted to go, here's the script, see, like, I don't want to just describe these characters and go, oh, Dr. Ventures, uh, he's kind of a dick, and then they go, well, how much of a dick, or no, what is, I don't know if the main character should be a dick, and you go, no, here, here's the script, here's how it's funny, here's how all this plays out, okay. here's what these people look like, um, you know, I wanted it to be as development hell proof as possible but also I wrote the script just because I wanted to like I I had had 
you know, I had been kicking around animation for a while, and I, you know, I had friends who had shows, and I was probably going, mm, I wish I had a show, but I didn't have an idea for a show, uh, and then realized that that was all bullshit. Like, if, like, there's something wrong with me if I'm not happy if I don't have my own show. And so I wrote the pilot just because I wanted to, like, what became important to me, I was like, the whole point is the work yeah. itself. And it's like, like, doesn't matter if anybody sees it. I started making myself do, like, a little cartoon a day and stuff like that. I kind of just re-embraced, like, oh, why do you do this? Why are you a creative person? It's not about having this, this, and this. It's about the work and it's and that's all that matters and like the minute I did that I got a show so it was neat you know but I you know I I think I think just do it you know because also if somebody else doesn't want it then um, you will have done it but you will also you know maybe then you go all right well I'm going to make it myself then too instead of having somebody else make it I'm going to put it on the internet or you know <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate no. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I wish I could ride a dinosaur with Cornelius. Ride a dinosaur? <laughs> Boss, you're a wild one. They're right across the river. Watch your step, Corny. Always, Boss. <laughs> Is uh, is Carney is Carney on a watch list? That was actually that was actually that was actually marketed on the YouTube as a Johnny Quest like serial commercial. Oh, <laughs> just, you know, because I was gonna say, what the fuck, Marky? It's a knock on doors when he moves to the neighborhood for sure. <laughs> but it's literally just corny. <laughs> yeah, it That's was very corny. Uh, quite long, and I feel like commercials used to be really something, huh? I guess so. I mean, but why is a rooster the salesman for, is it uh, cornflakes? Why is it a rooster? Uh, probably, you know, because it's, uh, it's connected to the farm. And you know what yeah. else? I don't have a segue from farm back to the Venture Brothers, but I can <laughs> tell you this much. <laughs> Speaking of cornflakes, I wanted to talk about how coy he was about season seven when they asked him what was going to happen to Blue Morpho. He was uh, like, "Oh, we can't. I can't tell you really what." Yeah. That was a major plot point, right, of the first couple, first three episodes of the last season. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it had been he had been like the crux of the whole sixth season. It was his rise and acceptance of the Blue Morpho mantle. I mean, uh, in the blue, the monarchs. Yes. Acceptance of the Blue Morphos mantle. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. I didn't mean Christopher McCullough, who obviously, once again, we just heard uh, in that interview. Although Christopher McCullough, aka Jackson Public, aka almost every other character on Venture Brothers, does do the voice of the Monarch. You know, he was also talking about in the later seasons. He didn't have to explain, <laughs> especially in the last season. He didn't have to explain everything. Everybody gets it. Like some like the earlier season were seemed as deep cuts and too nerdy for the common audience, but by the time we get to season seven, everybody gets it. Everybody knows they're just doing riffs on superheroes 
and everybody's kind of in on yeah. the joke. And and like and and not just superheroes. One thing they're great about is just riffing on pop culture in general. I mean, like like when they did the uh, West Warhammer villain episode, just whole gang of brand new villains they invented who are just based on Andy Warhol. Oh yeah, <laughs> the artist and all <laughs> his little hanger on uh, group around him. And just the cleverest names, and you only get like two seconds apiece with all these villains, and the, it just and it's for one episode, and then they blow up and die. But it gives Christopher McCullough a chance to do a, a Andy Warhol impression. He also does. They do a Hunter S. Thompson character, who is basically Hunter, Hunter S. Thompson, but he's Henry Killinger. Yeah, don't forget discuss our favorite characters on this show. Please discuss. Doc, Henry Killinger, which I have a love. feeling back in season three when oh. the the character Henry Killinger pops up. That season, that season, maybe possibly one or two. Cause he was at the wedding. He performed the wedding, and I think he came in maybe season two. Well, but he was there for like one episode to do a Mary Poppins bit. Right. He came as in as he was. Uh, he was a Ma- Mary Poppins. He Mary Poppins doubt. Yeah, he was first of all a Mary Poppins reference, and Uh-oh. then Sweet a love. Henry Kissinger reference, and then the magical like uh, character that solves everything for that one episode reference. So many tropes statement. packed into one. I would like to go around the table and discuss everybody's favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take a I'll favorite. Start with Johnny Heck. You know the the one that. Cracked me up the most would be like, like Colonel Gathers. Just you know, it was just the Hunter S. Thompson, and then he's, you know, just the way he dresses and just all the quirks and funny shit. He just like, I, I mean, I'm not gonna do a bad impression of it, but holy smokes, and a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh damn it, I didn't practice, but. I mean, just that that just tickled me the most. But I think I mean this is gonna be like the corny answer, but even Doctor Venture, I know in an early season episode, it, I don't know when it was, they're in this plane and something goes down. He goes, "I would just like one day, you know, this team not to be waylaid by ja- waylaid by jackassery." And I thought that was one of the fucking funniest fucking lines. Yeah. And I, did, I was like, okay, this show's fucking good. But I mean, the main team definitely Doctor Venture, but. Yeah, Colonel Gathers, man, that's that's fucking gold right there. It's gold, Jerry. It's gold. <laughs> Marky, you? you got any standouts? Marky, what was your favorite character? Talking to me? <laughs> the Marky, the other co-host of the show. I'd like to know what your favorite well, character is. I don't think that we've talked about Monarch enough. I'll tell you that. Indeed, uh, is he your favorite? Yeah, I think so. There you go. Let's talk about Monarch because he's an awesome character. I think there's a lot of Bond villain in Monarch, obviously. Yes. He's got great passion to do it. Yeah, he's got this, like, it's like this, yeah, it's like this um, irrational kind of attachment to something, right? Like, uh, a Bond villain is like he's always holding a cat or something, right? Like, it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense what he's into, and this guy is a monarch. And we see in the pilot that he's I, I forget what the setup was, but it was something like doesn't does he get attacked by a monarch butterfly or he sees a monarch butterfly or something? I forget what the setup is, but 
he gets kind of infatuated with this concept of the monarch butterfly. And then it creates this whole persona. uh, And the way that they play it out, I mean, it's very Bond villain, you know, and it's it's ridiculous at the same time, which I really like. (laughs) But he is so utterly committed. Like, he's, he's technically a mass murderer. But he dresses like a badass butterfly. <laughs> think about, it, and he flies around. He's got a hovering uh, a cocoon, like enemy ship, and it looks just unsettling. <laughs> I mean, so, so shooting from the hip without doing any research, um, is it? It's fair to say that the monarch is one of the better financed villains because he does have that cocoon, and he does yeah. seem at least. From what we can see, inverse, he has the the most henchmen. Yes, he well, they definitely when the show starts, he's on a high. He's got it turns out a huge trust fund. And we learn years oh, and years man. later it's because of the blue morpho, his father, was extremely rich and long since dead. So he was living off a trust fund and he was able to buy all that. And when we first meet him, he's like what we learn later is a level 10, which mm-hmm. has feeds into the mythos that they created. This is a world where, first and foremost, the bureaucracy that monitors all of the bad guys is called the Guild. The Guild of Calamitous Intent. <laughs> the Guild of Calamitous Intent. <laughs> yeah. who, and they but absolutely also, uh... have like offices and secretaries who are monitoring to make sure you get the right people doing the right arching which is like a big thing. They never explain how it makes money, but it's an industry. I I, I think it's also just, I think it should be pointed out, though, of the brilliance of the naming of this character because it is a monarch butterfly, and a butterfly is known as being a very soft (laughs) and gentle creature. Yeah, right. no one's no one's but, afraid of a butterfly right off the bat. Right. But it's but, monarch. But also him and which, his which means plane crashed yeah. and he was raised but, by butterflies. That's yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. Was okay. by but butterflies. it's also a a monarch is a king, right? Yeah. It's a soul leader, right? And so it, it's kind of this uh oxymoron of a name in that it is, like if this, you were gonna name yourself after as a butterfly character you could not do better than the monarch. Yeah, it's the, about it's the, the blue morpho. Butterfly yeah. could be. No, because you need to Google the blue morpho. No matter how much he thinks, everyone gets every joke now. You, I still got to go to Google several what, times an episode. What is the blue morpho? I'm not sure. It's a a, a kind of butterfly. Uh, oh, he he's serious. He hasn't gotten to season five yet. <laughs> I think we'd also be remiss. The listener, the listener needs to catch up to what we're talking about. If we're if we're talking about the monarch, I don't think we've talked about one of the few female characters, Doctor Girlfriend, who has a distinctly deep voice but a smoke and hot body. Yep. Which has very conflicted feelings, but uh, and uh, it's the source of a number of jokes very early on. The first couple seasons, she's there. Mm-hmm. Now we've all just accepted it. Like no one even is, makes the jokes uh, anymore about uh, it. I love that edge. Who's, not, the, who's the voice? Doc Hammer oh. does it, but he does it like, he "Oh come on, Monarch, let's go get in the car." But a smoking hot little East body, Coast. and she's a hot little animated yeah. chick, by the way. Yeah, like, just oh, for sure. 
yeah. Picture Goodfellas era Karen, but with you know, three more packs a day. Shut the shut the mouth and let's let's get busy. <laughs> and uh, and you seem so You've progressive for a hot Hitler. second there, uh, John. <laughs> hey man. Uh, yeah. All right. Now, if well, I'm going to throw out a track. favorite character, and well, I can't say track, let's get to Dan Shea. Yeah, and see what I, his favorite character is. I qualify it by saying I can't say favorite because God, that's, there's just too many to really choose from. But one that I've always loved and has seen such a growth was Henchman Twenty One. Well, actually, has a real name, Gary, but what even he doesn't cool. use it. This dude was such a background character, like a running gag in season one, and he has become such an integral part of the fabric. This dude he's is a beast. He's the glue that keeps it together. <laughs> when, he got, when he got the uh, the Gary Fisher, he was fucking. He became dope, man. The ripped sleeves are all, all about it. Nope, that's mm. when he got the thug life tattoos and oh god, well. It's, I won't even get into it, but okay, I will a little bit. Henchman Twenty One. I'll break it down for you. This is the monarch's man. That he pulls out his fake lightsaber, and he's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Do, "Wait a minute! Do, this do, is just do. this is just a flashlight." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it turns. I, they eventually get enough into his backstory where he was kidnapped as a kid accidentally. He's a big husky kid wearing a suit at a ceremony in Washington, D.C. The the monarch was trying to kidnap the senator he was standing next to. His henchman screwed it all up, kidnapped this big kid. <laughs> oh, shit, that was funny. And when they finally figured out it was the wrong kid, he had, uh, you know, like Stockholm Syndrome, which has propelled his character throughout. He is utterly devoted to the monarch. He is the only one to have survived and stuck with him. God, he's he's oh. got his own Shakespearean journey with his his best friend henchman, who was killed off in the second season. He's a major oh, dome. I mean, there's so many levels to the way they write that. Well, henchman twenty one actually... is and the monarch are such a great team. Yeah, this also brings up another really important point because it sounds yeah. like you guys you guys all have a lot of passion for this show, and you know Shay, I could I could sense a lot of passion. Oh, passion uh, is my passion. Yeah, clearly. Uh, but what do you? Um, about that. What are we going to miss about a world with no Venture Brothers? Shay, uh, let's start with you. Well, who's 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 going to parody the Watchmen now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yep. guess I, they, they, nobody did it better while creating their own amazing world. Uh, I would like for it, potentially, and there was a little controversy because Adult Swim, after the uh, uh, cancellation became public, they came out with a tweet saying, oh, we don't like it either, but we're working with Jackson and Doc, and we're going to figure out how to end the Venture Brothers story. Or we're trying to. I don't know if it's a negotiation track. Maybe we'll get like a TV movie to wrap it all up, and that would be nice. Uh, but I am prepared which, to live just on the seven seasons that exist, I guess. Which would follow in the Johnny Quest um, uh, um, history. Because Johnny Quest, when it was canceled, you know, again, it only lasted one season, but there was Johnny Quest movies, like TV movies, that would go on. You know, So it would, to- it would totally make sense if 
this particular show started to jump into like Perry uh, Mason or Columbo territory. Yeah, like um, just every couple you know, of years like, you get a new movie. Yeah, like Richard Donner was going to do a Johnny Quest film. What? You know, like that's how Hold yeah, on. Yeah, like, Hold on. Is, Let me grab the brakes. This is not a that's, Johnny Quest podcast, but I'm just saying like as an example, you could have amazing. different people come in to do Venture Brothers. It could be, you know, different directors could come in and do these special movies and things like that. This could still this could still give <laughs> this could still live on. You know, uh, well, I don't see any. It sounds like as long as you'll pay them, uh, Christopher McCullough is still going to do it. I think as long as they make it, someone will fucking put it out. I, I, I don't see how it doesn't hit the airwaves if they actually do it. But um, yeah, and maybe there's a GoFundMe yeah, it, going on really for it right just, now. It's, it's not dead. It's just canceled on Adult Swim, right, or on the Cartoon Network. I mean, there's so. still everybody's still alive. They're still working on scripts. It's still. A possibility. We'll see the Venture Brothers in live action on, like you said, another channel. HBO Max is shitting out content right now. <laughs> but will anyone give them the kind of creative freedom that they've had? Because that's the only reason Venture Brothers has become what it is. Who is re- who is reigning in creative content right now? Who is really editing anything right now? Well, he he said they got one note on one script, episode one of season two. I have a feeling even Netflix is going to be oh, start saying after nine, ten months, like, "Hey, where's that? Where's that season?" But right. you know, that's that's me trying to shit on the parade. Even my point is, even if they end it, as long as they just tie up a few loose ends, tell us who their mom is. Let's see her. Figure out if it was all Bob Newhart's dream or whatever. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and close the lid on this, and then I will. I'll be just fine knowing that the story has been told, the universe is out there. And then, yes, when Disney buys it in five years anyway with some other merger and they want to make a reboot, go ahead, kids, have at it. But I love my Venture Brothers. Venture Brothers? You could have Sergeant Sergeant Hatred's Wild Ride at Disneyland. I mean, it it all comes together. (laughs) It would be awesome. You know, you just get molested at the end. (laughs) Uh, Which, yes, by the way, for the listener, even pedophilia is not off limits for the Venture Brothers cartoon. Uh, Yeah, as far as in hatred, that was the pedophile. But anyway, I mean, you know, Marky asked about, had any feelings about it ending? I mean, when when the show debuted 17 years ago, um, you know, obviously Jimmy Carter was president. Gats (laughs) cost, you know, two two bits. Yeah. I believe the president was Rutherford B. Hayes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, I mean, you're watching this show over the years and just being like, oh, there's a new season? How long is this taking? It's just, and I'm not shitting on their process. It's going to take what it takes. But at some point, and when they announced it was canceled, I was just like, okay. I mean, honestly, I, it really Again? really didn't fucking hit me. I was like, oh, I kind of figured this was inevitable many moons ago. So I've, I've already kind of distanced myself from it. And if it comes back, I'll watch it. If it doesn't, I will just fucking thank them for the ride as I've already done when I read that, you know, read the news. So I'm cool either way. And that's, Um, that's right in line with every good venture brother fan, because they have trained us over the last decade and a half 
what to expect. I think the only shocking thing is this is the first time we've actually heard it was canceled. We've right. wondered between each sure. and every season, I'm sure, every six months be like, oh, I'm going to Google that. Did it get canceled? Yeah, yeah is it coming up? And, and don't get me wrong, they don't owe us shit. They they didn't owe us a season two. I mean, it's just everything we've gotten, I felt, was a Oh, gift. With that it's ending, not- they owed us a season two, I think. Well, sure. Yeah, but that's that's me. But, but at this point, they have given so much, I agree. Yeah. And I'm thankful for it, but just with the timeline and the spaces in between, I'm not, like, clamoring or expecting, uh, nor have I for many years. So this news really doesn't – isn't like a gut punch. It's more like, a, yeah, I kind of saw that coming. So. And it wouldn't even surprise me if they do want to milk more out of it. It doesn't amount to more than a few comic yeah. books or something. And it, maybe there are comic books now. I've never heard of them, but it would be very easy to translate that into a comic book. And uh, oh, and by the way, I, I guess we never really found it. But Jimmy, I'm, I'm assuming your favorite character was Henry Killinger. That is a very good guess. But however, my favorite character is an easy, easy pull, I think. But uh, Hank. Oh, mostly, you, you gotta but, love that. Yeah, but you know I love Enrique Matasso. I love uh, my but 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 really one of my what what one of the things that pulled me into the show was one of his first aliases was Russian Gajovich. <laughs> <laughs> and I use that alias a lot myself still to this day. And but also my favorite one of his aliases the bat when he just kind of wears that uh, Ben Cooper Batman costume and and goes about as Batman and crashes out the window, tries to do Batman things. Which I think potentially might be the very last image of the Venture Brothers, the very end of season seven's finale. It's him dramatically trying to disappear into a crowd wearing a hoodie, and he turns around, and he's wearing his plastic child's Halloween Batman mask with a little mouth slit. That's like I thought, I felt that was a callback to that movie where the guy turns he can change his skin and he wears the bandages all, all the time made by the evil dead guy Sam Raimi Sam Raimi's second movie did nope. you just make make this up Jimmy or no. uh, George What's Hamilton Sam Raimi's second movie no Cindy Potier oh <laughs> are, who is Darkman Darkman yeah that was a Darkman like he he uh, well, at the end of Dark Man, it's Bruce Campbell, and he kind of looks at the camera, and he, he says something about I could be anybody, and he looks at the camera and then walks away. And then uh, at the end wasn't of Wasn't Dark Man Party, Liam Neeson? Like, right. He, through the movie he was, but at the very end, when right. he looks at the camp where where I feel like the homage is, it, uh. Uh, he, uh, Dark Man runs into the crowd, and he's like, I can be anybody. And Bruce Campbell looks at the camera and I think we're because of the connection of everybody, we're we're expected to know that's who that is. And he walks away, and that's the same, pretty much the same shot for shot as uh, when Hank walks away. Okay, apparently looks, Chris but, McCullough but was right got, that at least one nerd out there does get every uh, reference. Holy shit! The last shot of Dark Man. Uh, actually, wasn't it? <laughs> how do you even? I mean, I am impressed that you could be like that's how it ends. Let alone that's the exact shot. That's yeah. or, nuts to me, Jimmy. Or, Hats off. I'm more floored that someone saw Darkman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a little bit older than you kids, so yeah. I, yeah, I know that movie pretty well. I thought it was actually called Darkman. Wasn't that his name? <laughs> Frank, 
Frank Darkman. Saul Darkman. Listen, I got to kill some criminals. It's a revenge deal. But we can meet later downtown for a nosh. I'll be in the bandages. Just ask him. I'm always there. Saul. Saul Darkman. Okay. <laughs> and you know what? Saul Darkman could absolutely be a Venture Brothers villain. Uh, yeah. All right. I, I guess we probably have chatted your ears off. And uh, uh, I'm going to continue off mic when all of you guys hang up, and this is long done recording. But at least right now, if you guys want, we can take a deep breath. And uh, if we collectively decide so, is that enough of this? Can I get a Go Team podcast? Go Team Saturday Conference. Uh, we should have worked that out before we did the show prep. We did. We rehearsed this several times. It, it went just like that. Way to be consistent, boys. Uh, thank you for Adult Swim, even though you haven't had a Comic-Con panel in now two years. Uh, thank you for this incredible opportunity. We love all the talent that you've brought us over the years. Uh, cue the the uh, uh, Academy Award, get off the stage music, please. Here we go. I want to thank Adult Swim. I the cartoon. Doc Hammer, thank you very much. Jackson Public, <laughs> we love you, dude. Free Mandela. Go to Joe Namath. Thank you, Joe Namath. <laughs> Joe, if you're still up, go to bed. But we did it. All right, everybody. Thanks for thanks for pitching in. Thanks for listening to this old man express his love for the dearly departed, but I'm sure soon to be zombified Venture Brothers. And from me to your family, fuck off. Good night. All that matters. Love. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this. Sweet love.